Chapter Nine of Miss D. Dunmore Bryant by Pansy. The Slibrivox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine. Do it anyhow. Ben was moving very slowly down the street. The night was cold, and he had his hands in his pockets. He was whistling to keep his courage up. The truth was, Ben was a good deal discouraged, and was also in some perplexity. Something troubled him very much something that he had not told his mother nor indeed anybody else one of the perplexities was whether he ought to do so he hated to get home while his mind was in such a whirl of doubt therefore he walked slowly though it was so chilly in one of the pauses between the rather doleful whistling he was doing came the distinct sound of a tap 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 on a window-pane ben stopped and listened it came again tap 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 that is miss webster's window said ben looking up i wonder if she can be tapping for somebody she can't walk and maybe she wants something but maybe it is only the elm branches tapping against the window dear me i wish i knew i'd go up in a minute if she wanted anything but it would be awkward to go and find it was only the elm tree knocking while he waited, the street door opened, and Fanny Kedwin looked out. "'Ben,' she said, "'if that is you, Miss Webster says she wishes you would come up to her room. She wants to see you.' "'It is me,' said Ben, without regard to grammar. "'But I don't know what she wants of me. Do you?' He followed Fanny as he spoke, somewhat reluctantly. He admired Miss Webster very much, but felt exceedingly shy about meeting with her no i don't said fanny shortly she wants to preach to you i suppose she preaches to us or about us most of the time she is always talking about how young folks ought to do or might do or something i'm tired of her she is just an old maid what do old maids know about young folks i should like to know if it had not been for her, mother would have let Rufus and me go to that masquerade party tonight. I had just the prettiest notion about a dress, and it wouldn't have cost much of anything. Mother was almost willing, until she went and talked with Miss Webster, and then she said no outright. I'm tired of her. I wish she would go home. I don't care if she does pay more for her board than mother asks. By this time they were at the head of the stairs, and Ben had only a chance to say, "'Seems to me you are in ill-humor to-night,' when Fanny knocked sharply for him at Miss Webster's door, said in answer to the invitation to enter, "'Here's Ben Bryant, ma'am,' and vanished. Ben thought it was a very awkward way to introduce him, and wished he had coaxed Fanny to stay. "'Come in,' said Miss Webster briskly. "'Did you hear my tap-tap on the window?' you didn't think i was a raven did you take a seat you are not in a hurry i hope i have been watching for you all the afternoon i wanted to send daisy a picture a raven repeated ben curiously miss webster seemed always to be saying something to surprise a person out of his embarrassment and set him to puzzling why yes you know the raven came tapping only that was at the chamber door did you never hear the story of the raven how when the gentleman was nearly napping 
suddenly there came a tapping as of someone gently rapping rapping at the chamber door miss webster's voice was very musical and ben was extremely fond of rhyme he smiled as he said that was what came to me out there on the street only i knew it was on a window but i didn't know what it was i thought maybe it might be the branch of the old elm tapping against the window but it sounded to me like a person miss webster nodded her head just so she said quaintly history repeats itself only you were not napping if you had been you might have said madam truly your forgiveness i implore but the fact is i was napping and so gently you came rapping and so faintly you came tapping that i scarce was sure i heard you oh i heard it very plainly ben said laughing at he hardly knew what but i don't see what it has to do with a raven why it was the raven who knocked at least that is the way the poem runs open here i flung the shutter when with many a flirt and flutter in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore not the least obeisance made he not a minute stopped or stayed he but with mien of lord or lady perched above my chamber door perched above a bust of palace just above my chamber door perched and sat and nothing more ben's amazed look set miss webster off into a merry laugh you should hear the whole story she said some of it is very quaint and some of it is very sad one cannot help feeling sorry for the poor fanciful brain that could get up such a strange conceit and put so much sorrow and despair into it she had for the moment forgotten who her listener was and lost herself in a sorrowful thought of some sort then she came back to ben with a smile i did not mean to compare myself to a raven nor to give you snatches from poe poe what a queer word is that the short for poetry oh no and miss webster laughed again but not unpleasantly that is the name of a famous poet who wrote the poem from which i quoted edgar allan poe and his poem called the raven was one of those which made him famous ben's face crimsoned he began to understand that he had been exhibiting a good deal of ignorance i don't know much about poetry he said humbly nor books of any kind and he sighed of course not miss webster said brightly you are young yet you see and opportunity is all before you i haven't had a great deal of opportunity said poor ben thinking of the school to which he could not go more than you realize i dare say miss webster replied with a wise nod of her head the way to do it is to pick up little bits of knowledge wherever you find them they lie around so loosely all about us only the trouble is we so often go blindfold i don't suppose a day passes but that you and i add to our stock of useful information without realizing it and fail of adding a good many little items that we might just because we do not realize or recognize them ben looked interested and puzzled i'm sure i don't know where mine are i must be blind most of the time i don't see any of them really have you not learned a single new thing today think not a thing ben said promptly 
then hesitated and laughed a little. Or, I don't know, I did learn that dried peaches had gone up two cents on a pound since yesterday, but I don't know what particular good it will do me. Is that so? said Miss Webster interestedly. What is the reason, I wonder? They must be getting scarce in the market. It is getting toward spring, you know. If that is so, they will go higher still. I'll tell Mrs. Kedwin. She may want to lay in a supply before they take another jump. They will go higher, Ben said promptly. That is, Mr. Perkins thinks so. I heard him talking about it to Mr. Wood. Just happened to hear it, you know. I wasn't interested. I didn't suppose I cared. But you see, you do. Your item may save Mrs. Kedwin several pennies. Oh, things fit in where one least expects them to. I've always found it so. Here is this poet whose acquaintance you are making tonight. He will do for item number two. And there is no telling when he may be useful to you. Ben laughed. This was getting to be a very queer talk, but he enjoyed it. I don't know much about him, he said. If he is going to be useful to me, I ought to know more than his name. As to that, said Miss Webster with a sigh, there is not much to know about him that could be helpful, except in the way of warning. He was a genius who wasted his life. When did he live, ever so long ago? asked Ben. Oh, no, he belongs to this century, has been dead only a few years, died young, too, only thirty-eight, and died in poverty and sorrow. A scholar and a poet, exclaimed Ben in dismay. Yes, indeed, many a brilliant young man has been ruined by rum. I hope you fight alcohol in whatever form you find it, my friend. A boy named Benjamin should always be a foe to anything that can intoxicate. I am, said Ben, but his face looked troubled. Was this Mr. Poe a drunkard? Poor fellow, he was almost everything bad. I do not know a sadder life belonging to a genius than the one he lived. He must have been started wrong. His father and mother were strolling play actors, and both died when he was a little fellow. Then a rich man named Allen adopted him. That is where his middle name came from. He was Edgar Allen Poe, you remember. He was sent to school, and had every opportunity, and wasted them all. He was expelled from the university for all sorts of disorderly conduct. Then he quarreled with his adopted father, and went off in anger to a foreign country. He was going to be a soldier and do great deeds, but he brought up in a police cell in St. Petersburg. His long-suffering adopted father received him back, and tried again and again to make a man of him, and always failed. At last his patience was exhausted, and the poor idiot had to take care of himself for the remainder of his life. It ended, as I told you, in a sorrowful death. And he wrote beautiful poetry? Some of it is beautiful. He was a genius, and yet he was an idiot, as I said. How very strange, Ben said, drawing a long sigh. I did not know that people who had chances, and, and brains, ever finished up in that way. Oh, they do, often. 
the truth is life is full of such slippery places that the only chance worth thinking about is the one held out by the lord jesus christ those who lean on him are safe from falling and no others are well now you see you are slightly acquainted with edgar allan poe and with one of his poems all growing out of my tapping on the window-pane to-night and you don't know yet why i did it i have a picture for daisy has she framed her goose yet yes'm said ben answering the smile in miss webster's eyes with a laugh my sister line framed it for her with some red paper that came around some of the things at the store did she tell you how troubled she was at first about hanging a goose in the study line told me said miss webster breaking into a merry laugh she is a dear little sister is that daisy i have a picture for her which i think she will like the child's face is not sweet like hers but it is pure and good and the lamb is very natural i took the liberty of framing it i hope daisy will not object as she spoke she drew a portfolio from the table and produced an engraving of a gentle-faced little girl with a kitten in her arms and a lamb at her side the picture was framed with a broad band of embossed gilt paper something altogether more elegant than anything daisy's collection could boast and yet entirely in keeping with her idea even ben exclaimed over the beauty of it she will like it so much he said eagerly i can't tell you how much she is a very queer little girl i don't know how she happens to have such odd notions she does not seem a bit like other little girls she is a flower said miss webster tenderly a lovely little wild wood flower that must not be spoiled by cultivation and yet must be trained so that it will bloom beautifully for the lord of the garden ben looked at her in respectful silence he did not quite understand this but he gathered that miss webster certainly thought their little daisy very sweet and now said that lady when she had carefully wrapped the picture in white paper tied it with a blue cord and addressed it to daisy isabel bryant with the love of the sender how does daisy isabel bryant's brother get on you have kept the promise you made me of course i've tried to said ben growing gloomy at once but i don't get on very well things are in a good deal of a muddle and that very thing muddles me more i believe then it is clearly your duty to tell me all about it because if i have helped make a muddle for you it stands to reason that i should try to help you out of it oh it isn't your fault said ben twisting in his chair and trying to smile only you see things in a fellow's life don't fit that sort of praying and he's got to live his life of course and it just makes things mixed up and miserable for nothing that is a grave statement and needs careful looking into i'm not sure we would agree as to the logic let us take it up in sections things in a fellow's life don't fit that sort of praying that is a statement of fact is it then of course i must accept it but the next he's got to live his life of course that i quarrel with from my standpoint i should say he hasn't got to do any such thing if the steps we took during that last talk were true 
and you and i agreed they were and that we would abide by them why then it is plain that this fellow's life must be changed to fit the praying that's easy to say declared ben sturdily resolved on being honest at whatever cost to his politeness but it isn't such a very easy thing to do i can tell you nobody promised that it should be easy my boy in fact we said nothing about that it was a secondary consideration of course after it had been once settled that a thing had got to be done do it easily if you can but do it anyhow is the motto of such a life when you have first settled that you ought there is no place for any such suppose there is never an ought when there is an honest cannot the two looked at each other steadily in silence for a few moments apparently miss webster had not the least idea of retreating from her position well said ben at last i don't see my way clear i know that is it something which you can tell me perhaps i can help you think it out why yes um he said after a moment's slightly embarrassed pause while the red on his cheeks grew deeper i could explain but there are other things which would have to be explained before you would understand you see the way of it is my father is dead and my mother has it all to do except what little we can do to help and there are some debts that were made when when he hesitated and miss webster came to the rescue i understand perfectly there are debts which your mother is trying to pay and which make it hard for her that is so often the case with a widow that it might almost be said to belong to most stories of life and you older ones want to help in every possible way so much is clear what then ben drew a long breath how well she had made it all sound and not a word had been said that reflected on his father's memory well the next thing is it is one of the meanest towns in the world for a boy to get work in i tramped through every street in it before i got this place in the grocery and i shouldn't have got it then if the boy who was there before hadn't broken his leg there are more boys than there are places you see or else there is very little doing i don't know what makes it but i know it is as much as a fellow's head is worth to get a place to earn anything in summer when the canning factory is open i can get work enough but that only lasts for a little while and it is a good while yet to summer but as i understand it you have a place in the grocery are you thinking about how hard it was to get it or borrowing trouble or what why you see said ben then he stopped to laugh maybe i am borrowing trouble at least i can see that something is coming i've either got to stop one thing or the other they sell hard cider at the grocery where i am well said miss webster looking steadily at him as he spoke these words in a significant tone and she waited for him to say more and the boys drink it some boys whose folks don't know it i guess and who can't afford the money for it if that were the only thing well said miss webster again some way he had not imagined that it would be so hard for her to understand why the fact is 
he said dashing into the subject now with all haste determined to make it very plain i'm an out-and-out -out temperance boy beer and cider and all of them i don't believe in sweet cider let alone hard but you don't have to sell cider do you no um he said speaking more slowly the troubled look coming back into his face that was what i thought all the time until i began to do this other thing that you wanted me to and for the life of me now i can't seem to make them match the praying and the living what if i don't sell it i'm there and the boys some of them come in to see me and after saying a few words to me they order a glass of cider and i look on and can't say a word because i don't suppose i have any business to preach against it when i'm in the employ of the man who sells it and i suppose some of the money he pays me comes from the cider barrel i was all right enough because i didn't drink it myself nor sell it to others until i began to pray that prayer you know and it doesn't seem to me the two can be made to match if ben had been looking at miss webster just then he would have seen a quick flash of pleasure come into her handsome eyes but he was looking at the floor i comprehend the situation i think she said at last after waiting for a minute to see if he had more to say but i don't think i understand where the perplexity comes in didn't i understand you to say you were in a muddle yes um said ben do things seem to you to fit and he gave her a furtive glance oh no but ben my boy are you really in a muddle as to which ought to be given up the praying or the business End of chapter 9